So last week we started talking about as we're transitioning out of the, the daily giving mindset that we've had for the summer, things to watch out for, potential pitfalls uh, in our giving that we choose to do in, in larger amounts rather than just kind of throwing around small amounts of practically pocket change. Um, we, there were a few that uh, we talked about last week, a few more that I want to get to this week, and then I want to talk a little bit about um, RIP medical debt, which we mentioned last week, and then share some, share, just share stories of generosity or ideas about generosity that, that you might have. Um, one of the potential pitfalls for giving is to watch out for takers. And you may remember that we talked about um, Adam Grant in his book, Give and Take, talks about three types of givers. Um, selfless givers, self, you know, givers that think about themselves and their concerns, and then also takers. And so one of the things that you have to do is watch out for takers, who, people who are going to take advantage of a situation in which one person is being generous. Um, and some of the things that Grant talked about is that while more givers are found at the bottom of the corporate ladder, uh, a lot of givers also end up at, uh, at the top of the ladder. And um, one of the reasons that givers wind up at the bottom of the ladder is because they give too much to the wrong people, which Grant calls takers. And takers are those who exploit others for their own personal gain, the people who always expect favors, who dominate conversations, who seek attention or support without offering the same in return. And the most common mistake in these kind of relationships, he says, is assuming that polite, agreeable people are the givers, while disagreeable people are the takers. And um, in, in hindsight, we can probably all think of someone who has been polite to our face, but is very self-centered when it suits them. Uh, and alternatively, we can also think of the very loud and boisterous person, sort of the diamond in the rough, who would give you the shirt off their back and insist it was nothing. Politeness and manners are not the point when it comes to giving. Um, otherness, somebody having your back, is. So whether it's your personal life or at work, uh, when your intuition or your gut feeling tells you, yeah, it's all about them, um, it may be time to stop being a doormat or a pushover. Um, and then not being a pushover when you put others first is also, or, or being a pushover when you put others first can also be a pitfall. And you have to remember your time, your energy, your financial resources belong first and foremost to the people who genuinely love you. When you sense that you are being exploited by a born taker, it's time to stop being a pushover and engage in what Grant calls generous tit-for-tat. That is, matching the competitiveness of the other person while remaining open to switching back and being generous at the first opportunity. And so we know that tit-for-tat is a matching strategy. You give me something, I give you something. Quid pro quo could be another name for that. Um, and if they're cooperative, you cooperate. If they're competitive, you compete with them. Um, with generous tit-for-tat, Grant says, the rule is to never forget a good turn, but occasionally forgive a bad one. Christians might call this turning the other cheek. So he suggests to start out cooperating 
and then when the situation turns competitive, compete about two-thirds of the time and cooperate the rest. Um, a quote from his book says, Generous tit-for-tat achieves a powerful balance of rewarding giving and discouraging taking without being overly punitive. It comes with a risk. Generous tit-for-tat encourages most people to act like givers, which opens the doors for takers to rise up again by competing when everybody else is cooperating. But in a world where relationships and reputations are visible, it's increasingly difficult for takers to take advantage of givers. The generous strategy will dominate for a very long time. All right, so what are, what are some other temptations that a church that is making a priority of generosity might find itself falling into or might be presented with? I mean, as an organization? As a, yeah, as, as, a, as a community. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking community level here. Maybe not striking a good balance between internal needs and external needs. Okay. Like you're only serving others, you know, but neglecting people you know, in your own in your community or vice versa. Yeah. Only supporting internally and ignoring the community Well and, and assuming that that the only people who need help, I mean especially in a church that's on average affluent, yep. assuming that the only people who need help must be those other people out there, not people within mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And and, and I think I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it's the, the scenario that you talk about, about being so outwardly focused that you're not paying attention to the internal community, I think there are probably very few times that that's intentional. Um, or I, I think it, it, it's more a matter of, like you say, making assumptions about, you know, if, if you're coming to Otter Creek, you probably live in Williamson County. If you live in Williamson County, you probably have money. And, and, and kind of building up statistically, because statistically most of the people here are in much better than average financial shape, that, that means that nobody needs the help, which puts people that do in a situation of feeling like they have to kind of come begging and admit just how different they are from how the church sees itself. And, and, and you're, so you're absolutely right. That, that can be a real danger. Um, I think pride is probably another one where um, you get so focused on something that you do well. I've seen, I've seen other churches do that in other ways, not around generosity, but something that they were known for, that they had ministries or they had resources set up for. And it's like, this is a thing that we do well. It created some pride blind spots that they couldn't, they couldn't see how they were kind of putting that behavior up on a pedestal for them. Even though it was a strength, it was a strength that they were very aware of, which... Then you know, it, it's like every, every everything comes with its own weakness. I mean, I've heard of people who kind of will kind of 
tour the country on, you know, random churches' dimes, essentially just calling up churches in the area, being like, well, I need a tank of gas, and kind of making cold calls to churches, and then you kind of have that rub for, I can understand, you know, being like, well, I want to, you know, we're a church, we need to be helping people, yeah. but we don't know anything about these people or their circumstances, and they're saying, well, we just need a tank of gas to get us to... You know the next town, yeah. and they call up the church in the next town, and then there's need to take a gas. And I've I've heard of that system. Oh yeah, I mean I, I think um, anybody that anybody that has dealt with people who have just shown up at the look, door here it, has dealt with that. Churches like individuals. It's hard to say no. Yeah. Until you develop that intentional. Yeah, and, and it's purpose. it's the question of should we say no to. Everyone should we send them to some of them, or should we only fund through these specific channels that protect us from that kind of uh, takers? Yeah, them? yeah. I remember uh, Doug Sanders, who you mm-hmm. know was the uh, outreach minister here, and a very good one. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, and Doug, Doug knew this situation intimately. And I was going <laughs> yeah, to say how many years ago, I can't remember, it's been too long. Too many. Uh, he was, uh, and he, I remember he, at one point, maybe on a Sunday morning or in a class, gave uh, sort of the, a, a typical a, a typical response when when uh, the church office, let's say, got an inquiry like that. And very frequently, uh, his the, the response was, uh, "Understand your need. Let's talk tomorrow. You know, call call us tomorrow." Now, obviously, it was an acute need. Somebody needs a trip to the hospital. But if it was something like that, where nobody was in acute starvation, uh, then it was it was let's talk tomorrow. Because often that that period of time of open letting a day elapse uh, often can help mitigate against folks who maybe are trying to feed addictions uh, that you don't want to inadvertently feed rather than giving somebody some. Yeah, I, I I grew up at the Volte Church, which is no longer a church, but it was on Murfreesboro Road, right along the main bus ride there, and, and, and we we would snicker. I mean, because I was a teenager at the time, but there, we had this elder. He was a he was seventy something, and he talked like this. He's drink making. You know, one of those that he he did the five minute prayers yeah. during the service. You know, <laughs> uh, and, but he was the he was the guy who took the benevolence calls, and his opening statement would be, "Haven't I talked to you before?" <laughs> and, 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 and meaning, you know, implying that you're 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 a you're a layabout and you're calling me back. Yeah, and and I I, I always thought that was so abrupt and so kind of brusque. Like that wasn't even church-like that he would he would he would respond that way, and uh, but it worked uh, to some degree. Yeah, I, I do think that he probably was brushing off some people who had some genuine needs with that kind of attitude. But uh, it, it there was a certain wisdom in it, just like Doug kind of said, hey, let's talk about it. "Yeah, yeah." Um, anyway, to to kind of change the subject a little bit, Gail, to, she she has mentioned several times here the wisdom of, of not only giving money, but getting involved more deeply 
in the causes in which you give, right? So that then you do have eyes right. on what is happening and how you're having an impact. And and I think I think that is that is a stance that would help to head off many of these okay, we have some kind of superficial relationship and I've given you something, but I'm not really sure. It kind of quells that, right? It kind of, you kind of see what's going on. So I I do think that's, I I think that's a a very important point. If if you're going to get involved in a big way, you know, what we do, $10 for somebody, that yeah, it's that a very a yeah. What we've been doing is a very right. shallow involvement. It, it, it in people's doesn't lives. need a lot of vetting. It's ten dollars. You go do your thing. Right? Yeah. But if we're going to give a thousand dollars to someone because they do have, you know, their house burned down. Yeah. Let's just say, or or that's the story that they're giving. Then then we do want to say, okay, well, let's let's go help you spend that thousand dollars on some things that you really need because a, I, I want to be sure. That, that in your state you're not you're getting the best for that money instead yeah. of just going out and, and spending on something. But it also it's helps to, a stranger. Right. It also helps to to kind of know what they're buying. Yeah. Right. It kind of does. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I am talking about a stranger. But but I but I think it also it, it also applies to people within a community because even within a community you're gonna have people that handle the forgiveness of their debts very well um, or the payment of their debts very well and other people who do not and so being involved at a life level as opposed to simply a financial level will make a huge difference in those cases as well yeah all right so let's talk a little bit uh, about RIP medical debt Um, how many of you are familiar with the organization I know um, there weren't very many people last week that were at all. Okay, so medical debt, uh, you know, if you've had any interaction with the healthcare system, you know how fast that can mount up, especially if you have a catastrophic illness. And what happens is that people who will never have the resources to pay off a five, six figure medical bill just fall into this cycle of debt. Debt goes bad. The hospitals sell it off, um, often for like a penny on the dollar, to collection agencies that then come after and try to collect that debt because if they can get even five cents on the dollar, they've made a lot of money on it. And so RIP Medical Debt was started I don't know that it's 10 years old now. I know it's at least I know it's at least six because this video I believe is from 2016. Um, started by some people from the debt collection industry who just kind of felt like they needed a shower, I guess, and um, decided that they would start buying that debt and then just forgiving it because it was so you know because you could. You could pay off a hundred thousand dollars in debt for a hundred dollars, you know, for a thousand dollars. And um, there have been churches. Well, there was a church last year 
It was, uh, and I'll probably pronounce the saint's name wrong, but St. Bede's Episcopal Church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Bede's. Bede's. Thank you. My uncle was a uh, elder. Oh, really? At, at the time that this happened? Or? I, well, he passed in 2000. Okay, because this was just last year. I know. He's, he's, but he, anyway, it's an interesting, fascinating church. Yeah. So they were able to pay off uh, $1.38 million in medical debt belonging to 782 households um, by raising $15,000 and partnering with RIP Medical Debt. Um, so what to be eligible to have your debts forgiven by RIP Medical Debt, you have to think the household has to be at four times the poverty level or less and have outstanding debt that, I could have the percentage wrong here, I think outstanding debt that exceeds 5%, but it might be as high as 20% of the household income. So, you know, so they're, they're not going out looking to pay off big millionaire debt. They're, they're really focused on the lower income. Um, so they... Uh, was, so the, this article says, much like a collection agency, RIP Medical Debt buys debt for a fraction of the cost and pays it off with donations like the $15,000 donation from St. Bede's. The church, um, the donation was paid off the entirety of debt in that category for the state of New Mexico and parts of Arizona with just $15,000. Um, and there have been there have been churches, there have been organizations. They do it through private donations as well. I mean, they get. I, I want to say they've forgiven several billion dollars in medical debt at this point. Um, Seven million. I it up. How much? Seven million. I, I was I was thinking six point eight. So yeah, that's More yeah. Than yeah yeah yeah. So the most the most famous example of that. And, and this is really what put them on the map, um, was uh, last week tonight with John Oliver on HBO, again from 2016, I believe it was, um, he did this. And it's, it's a stunt, but basically what he did is with the help of, well, what, what he did was he incorporated a debt collection agency in Mississippi for $50, set up a website, got offered... Um, I can't remember how much it was. Well, you'll, you'll see how much it was. But got offered a package for a half cent on the dollar. Spent $60,000, bought $60,000 worth of medical debt. I mean, and, and it was literally that easy. It was just like, we, sign, you know, we sign up, we, we create this, you know, we incorporate, we make a website, People start trying to sell us stuff. We buy it. And I will warn you, there, there is some coarse language in here. The worst of it has been bleeped out, but there is some coarse language in here. Yeah, but I have gotten through the worst of it, which explains kind of the whole debt, debt collection industry. But um, 
So this is what happens. It's pretty clear by now. Debt buying is a growing business, and badly needs to know all the sex. Because as it stands, any idiot can get into it. And I can prove that to you because I'm an idiot, and we started a debt buying company. And it was disturbingly easy. Let me explain. Back in April, we spent $50 to incorporate a debt acquisition company online in Mississippi. And incidentally, over the internet is the best way to experience Mississippi. <laughs> we called it Central Asset Recovery Professionals, or CARP, after the bottom-feeding fish. CARP became chairman of the board, and CARP set up this very bland website and dipped our toes into the debt market. And with little more to go on than that website, we were soon offered a portfolio of nearly $15 million of out-of-statute medical debt from Texas at a cost of less than half a cent on the dollar, which is less than 60 grand. For that amount, CARP would be sent the personal information, including names, current addresses, and social security numbers of nearly 9,000 people. So, we bought it, which is absolutely terrifying, because it means if I wanted to, I could legally have CARP take possession of that list and have employees start calling people, turning their lives upside down over medical debt they no longer had to pay. There would be absolutely nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that absolutely everything is wrong with that. And that is why we actually decided to go another way, because we thought, well, instead of collecting on the money, why not forgive it? Because on one hand, it's obviously the right thing to do, but much more importantly, We'd be staging the largest one-time giveaway in television show history. Because as best we can tell, the most anyone has ever given away on a TV show at one time to date was this. There's some context to this that you just have to <laughs> just roll with it. worth nearly $8 million, but we bought nearly twice that in medical debt. So instead of having the file sent to CARP, we had the seller send it directly to a non-profit organization which specializes in forgiving medical debt with no tax consequences for the debtor. And tonight, at my signal, with the power vested in me as chairman of the board of CARP, they will commence the debt forgiving process. So what do you say? Are you ready to make television history? Let's do it! Now, clearly, this is only going to help the 9,000 people whose medical debt we bought. The larger issue is, we need much clearer rules and tougher oversight to protect consumers from potentially predatory companies like the one that we set up. But, in the meantime, it seems the least we can do with this debt that I cannot f***ing believe we are allowed to own is to give it away. So are you ready to do this? You are about to watch me give away $15 million. F*** you, Oprah! <laughs> and that is what gospel feels like. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I, do, I do agree wholeheartedly with him that it is a dirty business. Yeah. It is a dirty business. I, you know, we have a company in here 
in Nashville, the, uh, and I, I can't remember, the, uh, um, Brad Arnold works there, and, and uh, Thomas. Um, Is it Ross Arnett? Yes, Ross Arnett. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And, and they tried to head this off at the pass by calling people ahead of these procedures and, you know, events, medical events, when possible, to help them prepare for how they're going to pay for this, yeah. how it's going to go. Um, and I think that is a much more rational way to deal with much of this, is that I think if people are educated, now, you know, barring the, the unforeseen event and the things you can't, but, but I think that's a much better way to do it, just, hey, let's, let's help you, let's help you get ready for this um, so that there isn't debt. Or if there has to be debt, you're ready for it. Yeah. And you understand the obligations and you understand what people are asking for when they call you out of the blue saying you owe Yeah, because I mean, obviously, there, there, there are two issues here. There is the systemic issue, which is that it gets really expensive really fast and not just for people who have money for it. Um, and so you want to address that issue. There's also kind of the the crisis, or you know, I mean, this this is a bit like disaster relief, um, and and both of those things need to happen to solve a systemic issue. Um, but um, the, my the, the 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 thing the the thing that keeps coming back to me with this is that everybody involved in this. Oliver, his, the show crew, the people in the audience, the viewers, the 9,000 people that got debt relief. Has anybody, has anybody gotten curious and done the math on how much the average debt was, 1.5 or $15 million on 9,000 uh, people, what, what, what each of those people owed on average? Um, but all of those people really Fifty thousand? Is that roughly? I, I, I don't know. Kali's got the calculator out. Sixteen hundred dollars. Sixteen hundred. Yeah. Sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand. Yeah, sixteen thousand sounds. Because yeah, because it's nine thousand people and fifteen million. Yeah. So that's nine 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 people at one point five million. Because it was fifteen about, million. If you do the math there, that's about the, probably the average deductible. Yes. Right. Major med insurance. That, that's what does not get paid. Yeah. That's what lingers out there is debt. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, and so that's that's people who they just they they, they can't even handle a hospitalization just at all. Well, the other part of that too is both my stepkids, for example, have Crohn's disease. And so it's not like a heart attack where you know, you've got this one year where you've got an exceptional year and you know hit your deductible and you're out of pocket, which you know gets to be a pretty big sum every year. You know they've gone into remission at times. I think Thomas is doing pretty well right now, but Grace has just had just the menu of items yeah. for you know since she was 16. So like for eight or nine years. And so it's 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 there's no end to it. 
Yeah. Well, and, and, and everything medical to me is is so person specific. I mean, you know, the, you, you've got elective procedures, and then you've got non-elective procedures uh, when for people desperately need care, and then you've got and, and so medical to me is just so it could be anything. Yeah. Right. But the odds are, and I'm just this is a, a macro statement. The odds are, given that amount are individuals that don't have other assets yep. yeah. that the collection effort can go it is it's not going to get repaid. Right. Yeah, yeah, because because again, remember, this is all people that are four times uh, above the poverty exactly. level or less. Or less. Yeah. Yeah. And four times above the poverty level is not particularly high. Right. I, I mean, and all of us, I think, have no people that that could have fallen into one of more and more of these categories. Uh, what what resonates with me is what Ken said is that you know something happened and this person is is retired and living on social security they can't ever pay um, someone who is uh, who is injured in an accident and then cannot work for the rest of their life and they can't pay you know some there are many of those people I would imagine mixed in there yeah right? yeah um, and 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 it feels good it feels right to, to forgive them I, I have a, a good he, he was he was a friend of mine when we worked together. I haven't seen him in a long time, but he had twins, and it was a it was a problem. Pregnancy. Um, his wife. He was a consultant, self-employed. His wife had a corporate job, but during the pregnancy, she couldn't work because she had twins and had issues, and so their insurance lapsed. And then when the twins were born. During that time, this is before the Affordable Care Act, which really isn't too affordable, but that's another thing, but it, it, or, and before HIPAA, so that it, the pre-existing condition, her pregnancy, could be denied by whatever insurance they went back on. Yeah. And so his, his response to the $300,000 that he owes the University of Texas Hospital in Austin, Texas. He's like, they're never going to get that. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay twenty dollars a quarter for the rest of my life, but they're never going to get that back. There is something that's actually going on as we speak, uh, and I know this because one of the former elders here at Creek, George Buck, retired COO of Austin, and they are uh, an ethical uh, healthcare collection. Company. They generally don't buy debt. They manage the, the they, they work on the receivable on behalf of the client. But uh, if you're familiar with the, the, the National Consumer Financial Protection Board, um, it was the brainchild of Senator Warren of Massachusetts um, to kind of help protect people from unscrupulous you know, financial shenanigans. What was interesting, when all that went down, the healthcare industry was carved out of the jurisdiction of that act. And that's why you see stuff like this happening. There are talks underway to see what might be done. Um, because a lot of the ethical healthcare operators don't want to get 
plagued with this kind of stuff. So it, it's be interesting to see if there's some way in which those protections might get into the arena of, of those that are part of the, the, the challenge of healthcare. Yeah. But, those, but those talks are sort of in D.C. are kind of going on right now between the industry and the politicos. So we'll, we'll be interested to see. Yeah. Just, just, just a couple, two quick comments okay. about this. Uh, I, I do just absolutely deeply disagree that you can visit Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> having, having grown up there, uh, take huge issue. And secondly, my dear departed uncle, uh, who is a lifelong Episcopalian, is grinning in his grave to hear that his church, St. Beads in the Weeds, is talked about positively in a Church of Christ Sunday school. That's, 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 what, we, that's what we live for. And, and the way I see it, any state that gave us Elvis gets up. Big long pass, uh, but 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 cycling back away from the medical debt, one of the or the, the, the medical part of the debt, the one of the big things that I hope that we have kind of reinforced again and again and again with this class is first of all what it feels like to have the weight of a debt removed. From you, because I think you know we we talk of you know the, the song you paid a debt I did not owe I owed a debt I could not pay and you know all, the the way that we talk about the gospel and the way that we use the language in within the confines of services and classes we don't often get the sense of relief that you get when you get the letter from R.I.P. Medical Debt that says St. Bede's Episcopal Church has paid off your medical, you know, your $1,600, your $16,000 in medical debt with no strings attached, no tax implications for you. Um, that is just a huge, huge, huge weight. Even if you were never going to pay it back, it always sits in the back of your mind. And just knowing that that's not a conversation you have to have with yourself anymore, that is a big, big freaking deal. And something like this, even though this might come under the category of being generous to be seen, um, as he is literally in the business of being seen, um, this is just, if you do this right, if you do this right and you do this intentionally, this is just a lot of fun. And I... I have had to overcome the notion of my money being mine and wanting to make sure that I had the money to do the things that I wanted to do so much that I didn't really learn how much fun it is to give things away, to buy things for other people, to help people, to to create scenarios where people can feel like the 9,000 people that got those letters after this felt. And so next week I want us to wrap up and talk about the story of giving and using giving to create a narrative. Um, Gail had somebody that she wanted us to all uh, focus our giving on today and she is not here. Well, well, not um, Josh. Josh had put something in the 
ahead. Well, and, and Fred can had I, one for I next week. Someone? Well, can I nominate someone for this week? Well, not if Gail shows up next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> can I move you up this week yes. and put Gail yes. next week? Yes, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> could, could I, yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, the, the cause is uh, for a uh, young woman by the name of Chrissy Simpson. Uh, she is living in the basement apartment of one of our elders, uh, Coach Frank Bennett. Um, Frank and Jan have had a passion for helping those coming out of the, the demons of addiction. Um, she's had a tough life. She's really struggled with addiction. She lost her two-year-old because of this. But um, she has graduated again, has a great job as a server at Uncle Pudi Babies, um, now has a car. Uh, she's been sober for almost 10 months, really seems to be on a great uh, trajectory. Um, several at Otter Creek helped her get her car. But uh, I was wanted to nominate Chrissy um, such that um, maybe we could just simply get her a gift card at Target. She's going to need, she's close to getting custody of her two-year-old back. And so she's going to need stuff like a car seat. She's going to need stuff to take care of the child um, soon. And so if we could just generate any amount of funds just to get her a, a gift card at a Walmart or, or Target to assist in that transition. Okay. So if we have not brought cash to class, as I have not, despite my saying you should always carry cash, uh, um, how can we how can we get that money to you or to Frank or to her? Well, um, just I'll call me. I'll come get it, uh, um, or bring it next Sunday. Okay. I think I mean there's not. Uh, She's in the hearing process. With the, it's not going to happen like tomorrow. Right. So um, that's why I was saying that we could maybe put this in and then next week uh, pick up a collection and then we'll translate that to a, to a target gift card. How's that? Okay. If you have cash today, I'll take it and uh, we'll, we'll set it aside. I'm just curious. I'm going to out Brian a little bit. Um, I feel like what you're driving at, what we've talked about outside of class conversations is um, the overwhelming joy that we could, as a body of believers, you know, kind of uh, literally take scripture at face value and say, and there was no debt among them. Yeah. So, would that be something like a vision that you would have for Otter Creek that there would be an internal mechanism where we could bring our debt forward and say, yeah. This is debt that we have amongst the believers in this body. Yeah. You know, if if I were an elder, they would get sick of me talking about wanting to have the congregation the congregation debt free, not not the, the not the corporation debt free, but the congregation debt free. Now the tricky part is you want to know the one county in Tennessee with the lowest kind of outstanding debt across the board, student loan or, yeah, yeah, it's, it's this one. So it's, it's a little hard to, to figure out exactly how that might work in literally one of the richest uh, counties in the state. 
But yeah, that I mean that's that's sort of my big pie in the sky vision when everybody else was talking about, hey, we can pay, you know, we're gonna pay off the building early, we'll be a debt-free congregation. I'm like, how cool would it be if we could be a debt-free congregation where you worked like the Ramsey system instead of individually you worked it on a community scale where you know where you come in and you bring your debt in and and you figure out ways to this, the people that owe the least get it paid off and then it builds and builds and builds and builds. I think that would be an amazing, probably utopian, but an amazing yeah, thing. I feel like that's a vision of the kingdom coming down to Exactly. I feel like that is, that's a calling of the kingdom. Hey, Brian, yeah. think about how much money we waste on interest payments. Just that's interest, what I'm saying. Just that's what I'm saying. Collectively, yep. to fund the thing. If you, yeah, and if you, if you, you know, somebody's got, and we got to go because it's five till, um, but yeah, if you, you know, you, you pay off somebody that's, that's spending on 5,000 and then you move up to seven and then, you know, and it just, debt snowball, debt, 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 yeah, debt snowball, but with 1,500 people doing it. I, I would, I would say that you have a, a great point and, and I really think it's incumbent even on us as people who have assets, have some needs, we need to still care for those that don't have it as if they are within there you go. our family. Yeah. Right. And so um, yeah, we, we may not have as many financial troubles as everyone else. But that means we need to shoulder somebody else's. Uh, yeah, right. and does, this is. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, and this is part of the story that I'm talking about us talking about next week. So we can continue that, and you guys can get to second service if you didn't go to first. 